Hello, and welcome to the Cyber Sisters Podcast. We're your Cyber Sisters, Allison and Emily, two cyber educators talking about edtech pedagogy and this week's edtech protocol. We are so excited to finally be back. Um, we want to start by thanking everyone for their well wishes in January. Um, for those of you who follow us on uh, Twitter or Facebook or all of the various places where we are, we did announce that unfortunately uh, COVID did come to the Cyber Sisters in January. And so we made the tough decision to go ahead and not record for a month so that uh, we had some time to recover and to be feeling better. Both of us are feeling excellent um, and ready to be back in podcast land. Um, and we also know that teaching was, was particularly hard in January, uh, we had another spike um, and that produced a whole sort of host of issues in inside of teaching world. So just know uh, that from the cyber world to our, our brick and mortar pals and our, our fellow cyber sisters out there in the world, you know, we're, we're sending you a lot of goodwill, a lot of good feelings um, for getting through, you know, a very, very tough time. And it's very exciting that those numbers are, you know, sort of finally back down um, and life seems to be returning to normal, you know, as, as much as humanly possible at this particular juncture. Um, but we are really excited to be back with today's episode. Um, we are going to be talking about sort of the same thing that we plan to talk about in January, which is Edge of Protocols, um, because we were lucky enough to present at Pete and C. Now, I unfortunately did have a family emergency come up, and so I was not able to be there in person. But Miss Emily, I know you were able to be there in person, um, and I want to hear about all of the amazing details. How was the conference? Well, we definitely missed you. Pretty much everybody who I saw who knew you and knew that you were supposed to be there was like, where's Allison? How come Allison's not here? <laughs> uh, I got that question a lot. Um, or someone, you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of people beat me to the punch. They're like, I heard she's not going to be here. I was like, yes, she's not here. <laughs> I'm so sad without my other half. <laughs> um, but no, it was really good to be back in Hershey. It was good to be back seeing everybody. There were people that I had, I saw that we hadn't seen since some people since two years ago in Pittsburgh and some people since even three years ago because they weren't able to make Pittsburgh because it was in Pittsburgh and not in Hershey. Um, so it was just, it was nice to be back in person. Um, the keynotes were amazing. Um, Mondays and Wednesdays especially were really good. Um, I just being back with everybody and seeing people in person and the conversations in the hallways and the connections. And that's what I miss from um, like everything virtual is great. And trust me, like we teach online, so we get all of the virtual stuff. Um, but it's those like hallway conversations um, that you just can't get virtually as easily, um, especially using some of the platforms that they were using. Um, it just didn't allow for all of those like almost back channel chats that you kind of have in a conference situation. Now, the most important question and the one that I have been waiting to ask, uh, you were back at the Hershey Center. So how was that hot chocolate? Was it good? Uh, yes, I had it every morning. <laughs> and it was so funny because, you know, we're all getting our hot chocolate in the morning. And anybody who knows me personally knows that I do not drink coffee. Um, so I'm just getting my hot chocolate and everybody else is going, you know, I usually just drink my coffee black. But when I'm in Hershey, I either mix some hot chocolate in it or they also have like the really good whipped cream mm. and they have marshmallows to add to it or chocolate chips. So they're like, I doctor my coffee up when I'm here. Make it <laughs> so, a mocha. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so all of the yummy chocolate things. And of course, if you're there on Wednesday, the peanut butter pie. Um mm. So I'm kind of sad. Allison, you might not know this because they did announce it there. Um, next year, it's moving again. Um, so we're not in Hershey again. Um, it's going to be at Kalahari Resorts in the Poconos. Oh, um, well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. So interested to see how that turns out. But then Scott promised that after that, three years in a row, we're going to be back at Hershey. So three years in a row of hot chocolate and peanut butter pie. 
Um, <laughs> Which is important because I have yet to have their hot chocolate. So yeah. <laughs> I need to experience this because every single person, when we, we talk about, you know, Pete and C, and I mean, like, uh, amazing stuff, uh, amazing speakers, wonderful camaraderie. But, like, I don't think I go a single conversation talking about Pete and C where I don't hear them say, but the hot chocolate, but the peanut butter pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to know. So very excited for next year. I'm hoping to, my, my plan is to have no family emergencies so that I'm able to attend um, and uh, make make that happen. So uh, hopefully some Poconos next year and then back to peanut butter pie and hot chocolate. Now, the only other thing that I do want to check in with before we talk about, you know, Edger Protocols and, and today's uh, actual topic um, is that there's always the opportunity to go around to different sessions and, and to see different things. Um, do you have any good scouting reports for our listeners? Anything that you heard about that you were like, oh, I'm really interested in researching for this, um, really interested in learning more about some of this stuff and stuff? Because I know that is where we get a lot of ideas for what we're going to do in the podcast in later season. So. Um, yeah, there were so many good sessions. Um, and of course, I ran into the problem where like all of the sessions I wanted to see were all at the same time. Always happens. <laughs> Always, happens. Always happens. Um, and we actually did um, a PAECT event just, uh, well, last night when we're recording this, but not when you'll be listening to this. Um, so the other night, um, and we just did um, a share on everything we learned. Um, so one of the things that I actually learned more about last night that I didn't make to the session um, was about Start Soul, S-O-L-E. Okay. Um, so I have like heard about it before, knew like kind of enough to be dangerous about, but I definitely want to go back and watch that session because um, I heard they shared a lot of great resources there. Um, and it sounds almost like a really guided um, PBL type deal um, with like project-based learning with a um, essential question exploring and like research type thing. Oh, so, I'm into that. Yeah, that's definitely on my list to like watch and learn um, more about and really explore those resources. Um, Sarah Heinzelman also did a fabulous session on creating good visuals um, and like the research behind it. (gasps) And like, yeah, so that's definitely one I want to check out too. Um, So lots of really good sessions. Um, I mean, there always are, and there were so many good ones. So yeah, definitely have a lot on my go back and watch list for sure. Well, I'll have to check out both of those as well, because I do have the ability to go back. This is why, you know, always get get that registration and stuff, you know, even if something comes up, because the ability to go back and rewatch the recorded sessions is just so invaluable so that you don't miss things. Um, but research is one of those things that both our subject areas share. And so it would be really interesting to see what that could look like in sort of our informational text and research unit, potentially. Um, I know we had a really wonderful um, dinner with uh, Melissa Ann Pero, who was on the podcast earlier this season, and she gave me some fantastic resources um, that she developed for that same research unit that was about sort of looking at informational texts and um, different sources. So we'll have to think about that maybe also for some some episodes in the future. So lots and lots of good stuff there. You should also check. She did a session um, called Not Your Average Research Paper. You Ooh. should check out her her session too. I didn't go to that one. Um, but you should you should check that one out too. That might have some stuff for you. That sounds fantastic. So clearly, maybe next season is the uh, the season of research, <laughs> research and uh, UI and and all that kind of good stuff. So, <laughs> speaking of research, um, uh, I guess it was about last year at this time where we were at. Uh, or sort of not at Petency, it was our, our virtual Petency. And um, we were talking a lot about Edger protocols and it sort of piqued our interest. We were so excited. We couldn't believe that we had not, you know, in our cyber world heard more about these things um, and spent our summer doing a lot of research on Edger protocols and trying to figure out the best way to sort of integrate them into our classrooms. And that's actually what um, Emily and I presented on. Um, Emily was physically present in the room and I was uh, on my computer at home. Um, and it actually worked out kind of well for us because I was able to sort of act as like a sample student almost um, showing what different things would look like in real time so that uh, the 
you know, people who were watching could see, you know, this is what the teacher view looked like. They had on their own device what the student view looked like, and then they could see this is what it would look like in real time if you were having students do this. So in, in some ways, it kind of worked out really, really well. Um, but it was a very successful presentation. We were super, super excited by it. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the different things that we sort of focused on, because we have really found that for Edge of Protocols, um, we, we found three of them that we really liked and wanted to integrate this year, um, and we're using Nearpod in order to do it. So um, a little bit about Edge of Protocols, just in case uh, you are noobs like we were, only a year ago. Um, basically, Edger protocols are sort of like lesson frames or templates. They were developed by Marlena Habern and John Carippo. Um, basically, they can be used in any content area, and they're meant to support, you know, critical thinking and collaboration, and most importantly, their critical thinking and collaboration with accountability so that your students are actually doing and engaging with the activities. Um, certainly in the cyber environment, we know how difficult it can be to sometimes hold students accountable um, because they're not in the same room as us, right? I can't walk over to a student and tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, what, what you doing? Why are you on your phone? Why are you staring at a wall and, and not doing your thing? Um, you know, th these are some great ways to sort of build in accountability for students. And I think they're fun, which I think just always makes things more interesting. Um, so we're going to talk today specifically about the three that we've been thinking through and beta testing in our cyber classrooms, which are the Cyber Sandwich, the Iron Chef, and the Great American Race. But just know that there are many, many Edge of Protocols, and we are excited to try all of them uh, in some fantastic try -ins. So. We have been using Nearpod in order to do these, and we have um, some different thoughts about flexible ways to use Nearpods to accomplish all of these tasks, but we're also really lucky because Nearpod uh, blessed us with a really, <laughs> really useful <laughs> tool um, that we were able to beta test because we're both Nearpod pioneers. So we were sort of thinking ahead and planning ahead, oh, this would be really good for you know some of these edger protocols. Um, uh, Emily, do you want to talk a little bit about sort of the new releases that have come out um, and just about Nearpod in general, give that sort of reminder of what Nearpod is, just in case we have some new listeners to the uh, audience today. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So Allison and I talk about Nearpod all the time. So unless you're brand new to the podcast, you probably have heard us espouse greatly about the wonders of Nearpod. Um, so if you are really brand new to the podcast, um, Nearpod is essentially an interactive presentation platform. You can add in all sorts of things to it. Um, and I'll link directly to their website in um, the show notes. So um, I'll skip the details as to what exactly Nearpod is. But one of our favorite things, which literally just released um, probably last week by the time we release this episode, is some really powerful updates to the Collaborate Board. Um, so if you're not familiar with what the Collaborate Board was before, was it was basically like a Padlet. Think um, sticky notes on the wall, right? You just write your information on the sticky notes and you put it on the wall. Um, students could like the different posts. Um, it was just straight up text before. Well, now with these new updates, um, you can now post GIFs. You can now post audio responses, which our students love. We have some students who love to talk on the mic um, and video responses. Um, and one of the things that I love is you have the ability to turn all of these individually on and off. So I can choose if I want them to be able to post videos or not. Um, we haven't ventured into the video posting world yet with my students. Um, but you can also add in um, Reference media, so you can have students look directly at a website on there, which is really powerful. Um, so that's for everybody. If you are a teacher who has um, a district license, you have some extra features coming your way, um, or I guess have them now. <laughs> uh, because by the time this release, you will have them. Um, exactly. <laughs> through the magic of podcast uh, editing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, editing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have columns 
this like total game changer, the ability to be able to categorize the posts into columns. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about some ways that we've done that. And also the students can reply to each other's posts directly. Um, so this is awesome to be able to generate student discussion, which we will talk a little bit more about when we get into some of our specific edu protocols. To um, say that it's a game changer is like understating how powerful yeah. this capability is. Yeah, the students are loving it because we've been beta testing it um, with our students. Um, one of the advantages of being a Nearpod pioneer, which um, if you're more interested in that program, let us know. We can send you more information on that if you're not. Um, but love being able to beta test new features. So we've been beta testing it, sending our um, feedback to them on some things that we'd like them to tweak maybe a little bit. Um, it's awesome. Like it's really only like minor tweaks. I'm like, can we change the width of the columns maybe? Um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much mine. Can we change the width of the columns? Um, but yeah, these new updates with the collaborate board, major game changer. Um, just in the interest of other promotion, there are some updates coming to Time to Climb. Um, just in kind of the themes and you can now pause between the questions so it can be an even more powerful um, formative assessment tool. But that's not really what we're focusing on today. But just so you know what else has come out. <laughs> all really, really exciting things. Um, our students have really been, like, it, it's been very intuitive sometimes when you, you get updates to some of the technology. I always, like, my soul inside, like, dies a little bit because it's like, oh, I've got to, like, retrain them how to do stuff. All of these things have been very intuitive. They've been excited. Um, I think especially for the ability to post in different formats. Um, the voice posting has been, you know, incredible. Um, you know, the GIFs and all that kind of stuff. They, they love memes. They love being able to do, you know, things that they feel are, you know, sort of silly and sort of fun. Um, so these have been really great um, and really intuitive for the students. Um, and and oh, go ahead. I was just going to add super fast because I just thought of this. Your ability to moderate the posts and to approve them has not disappeared. You still have the ability to moderate and approve not only the posts, but also individual replies. Um, so if you're choosing to have your students reply to each other, you can also approve those replies. Which... So for example, if yeah. you are in the middle of your persuasive text unit, which <laughs> some of us named Allison are, uh, and you want to have like a real discussion about some of these persuasive texts, but you do not want it to devolve into kids yelling at each other in a chat box, um, this has been great. <laughs> um, it has led to some great discussions about, you know, what kind of stuff, um, you know, we, we had a really good discussion as a class about our community guidelines um, for, for posting during our debates. Uh, it, it led to some very rich discussion, um, but you're, you still have that control, um, which I think is, you know, super important as a teacher. So now that we have talked up, you know, all of these cool new features, we should talk about how they actually uh, integrate with these different edge of protocols. So the three that we've been focused on, um, just again, are that Cyber Sandwich, the Iron Chef, and the Great American Race. Um, the Cyber Sandwich, I think, is like, I have seen this one, I think, quite a few places as we started digging into cyber, uh, into edge of protocols um, in different places. I think it's one of the easiest ones to do, but it is, you know, it's simple but powerful um, as a uh, think pair share activity. Um, it really, it's structured into three different parts um, and it has great accountability. So basically the method asks you to do three 10 minute activities. And for us, like I've, I have now done this, this particular activity, um, like a, a couple of times, like two or three times, and it's always taken like the full 30 minutes to do. Oh, Allison, can I interrupt you for one second? Um, I was just going to say we have on our show notes, because I know some of you probably listen and don't always look at the show notes, or we'll look at the show notes after. If you want to follow along, we have in our show notes linked actually the Nearpod that we did with our, when we did this at PTC. So if you want to click it, you can kind of like follow along with us and see these things as we're talking about them. 
Excellent, excellent point, Emily, because absolutely, I think that some of these things translate a little bit easier visually, though we are going to try to use uh, beautiful descriptive language to, to take you on this journey. So if you're <laughs> in the car listening or you yes. know, cleaning or doing something, it, it's not necessary, but if you want to go back um, and sort of follow along, it, it is very useful. If um, you're so- like me and a visual person. <laughs> <laughs> So basic method has three different parts split into um, three 10 minute chunks. The first one is like really easy. It's just basically um, close reading a text and having your students take independent notes. Um, the nice thing about Nearpod is that they do have that notes feature built in, um, but you could always, you know, open up um, an open-ended question assignment, or you could um, open up just like a plain, you know, draw it tab to have students take notes and whatever sort of thing it is that you're teaching, that's what you're having them take notes on, right? So for example, um, you know, I a lot of times will have students be taking notes on, you know, a, a particular character. You know, what is a particular character doing um, in this scene? Or uh, what are we, uh, you know, looking at the main idea and what can we find that supports, you know, the main idea in a text or, or something like that? Um, once that 10 minutes are up and they have taken notes on whatever thing they're taking notes on, you're going to pair students up for a discussion. Now, if you're in a brick and mortar classroom, you're gonna physically pair them up. Um, for us, we usually just use breakout rooms um, and this this seems to work you know, just fine for us. Um, what's nice though, because you can see students taking notes in real time, if you are in the virtual environment and you're like, oh, I don't really wanna like, I, I wanna make sure that both students are going to be active, have them submit their notes as that open-ended question or have them fill it out on a draw it slide. And then you can see what students, you know, are done and can be paired together and were active um, so that you don't have, you know, a, a million hands go up when you put them into rooms and, and they say, oh, you know, Miss Keith, like my partner isn't actually doing anything. Um, so great, great way to kind of weed out um, students that are, are maybe uh, occupied elsewhere or on a break, as we say. Um, you're going to ask them to complete a Venn diagram um, looking at the similarities and the differences in their observation. So things that one student noticed, if, if only one student noticed it put it on their Venn diagram in either category or if they both noticed it you know put it in the middle um, and then finally you're going to have them write independently a summary of their discussion um, in turn right so what what did they see um, I really found this powerful um, with a story where there's like a, a plot twist in the story where you find out that one of the characters was actually telling a lie so I have had students close read um, you know were there any clues that you found that the student might have been lying what clues did each of them find on the Venn diagram and then say, you know, do you think the author actually set up the fact that this character was lying well or not based on the discussion that you had with your partner? Um, and it, it has worked very, very well. Now, Emily, I know I stole a little bit of your section there because <laughs> I did mention about, you know, the first part, the close read, the taking notes. Um, how does the rest of this look in Nearpod? Um, so, what you can do, depending on how you want to do it, you can link whatever you, basically whatever you want um, in Nearpod as a web content. So you can link that there or you can just link the PDF in. Um, so you can keep it all within Nearpod. Um, and I, Allison, I'm going to steal one of your phrases. Um, this will let you avoid the Russian doll of links. Yeah. <laughs> Russian doll of links. It loses so many students. Um, so it keeps them all within and really helpful for if you're doing this as a teacher-based lesson. So that way you know that all of your students students are on the that web content page or pdf or whatever um until you move them so and when you move them they will all move with you something that's really cool um so when you are looking at our slide deck you'll see that our venn diagram actually has squares i cannot take credit for this i saw it somewhere pretty sure it was on twitter somewhere um and I saw it, I loved it, and I have used it ever since. Um, the reasoning behind squares on a Venn diagram is because we write in lines and not in circles. And it really helps a lot of kids to visualize it that way with, oh, I need to put it in that middle rectangle, not in that middle circle. And it helps them to kind of fit their text in better. Um, so then on that last slide and kind of our three set um, is that open-ended question for them to write. Now, when you are looking at this, 
as a student paced lesson, you won't be able to see this, but for the teacher paced lesson, we did put a 10 minute timer on there. Really helpful in Nearpod to be able to put those timers on. Um, one of the great things that we love about Nearpod and we love about the timer is that once that timer will go off, it will automatically submit what the student has been writing. Um, I have had this happen several times where I have students who love to write. So if they forget to submit before I move, it won't auto submit and they'll just lose everything. But with the 10 minute timer, when it goes off, it will submit what they have written before that timer goes off. So it's really easy for you as a teacher to look at that report later and say, oh, they didn't submit, but look at this wonderful 10 sentence thing that they wrote in that 10 minutes versus, oh, they only got two words written in 10 minutes. You have two very different um, reports from a student who didn't push submit by the time that timer went off. Um, and also that gives students kind of a visual reminder of, oh, I have 10 minutes. I submitted it in two. Maybe I should go back and add some things to my summary there. And one of the things, different virtual platforms are either easier or harder to do a timer on. Um, we have switched virtual platforms at our school from one that had a built-in timer to one that no longer has a built-in timer. Yes. Um, and this this has saved me like, personally <laughs> as a person who teaches writing. <laughs> I, I need this. I need the ability to set a timer. Um, and it's been nice to have it sort of right inside of Nearpod. Um, so the cyber sandwich is a really great one. It's really easy. And I think it, we, or I think we both really think it's like the perfect one to kind of dip your toe into. Um, and Nearpod makes it so easy to manage in these virtual environments or in a one-to-one, -one, you know, technology environment. Um, and it keeps everything, you know, together and you don't have to worry about worksheets and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, it's really, really nice. You can set it up as student paced or you can move students through at the different 10 minutes, sort of depending on your preference. Um, but uh, our kids have really liked it and really taken to it and it's worked well. Um, so the second two are a little bit more fancy. They're a little bit more complicated. Um, the second one is the Iron Chef method. Um, and I love the name of the Iron yeah. method. <laughs> Um, basically, I want you to literally imagine like the old school Iron Chef show. For those of you who did not grow up watching it, I grew up watching it, um, like the, the really old school one from Japan. Um, basically, what happens in the show is you have two chefs and they are both battling to make uh, a beautiful gourmet meal, but they have to incorporate in every single meal uh, the secret ingredient, whatever it is, right? And like some weeks it was like the secret ingredient is spiny lobster, right? And like that was harder to do for sure in like, you know, dessert form than it was to do in like the entree or the appetizer section. But sometimes they would be like, you are going to use... I, I can't even think of like a really like challenge, like a, a like spam or something. Yeah, really like off the wall and random. Right, exactly. So you'd you'd get an ingredient that you know maybe this chef had worked with. Uh, particularly well in the past, and maybe they hadn't, um, and so that you know could create different uh, you know iterations of that recipe. So the Iron Chef game um, here, it is basically like a gamified. Um, uh, jigsaw is sort of the way to think about it. So what you're going to have is uh, four different groupings or, or however many groupings it is that you need of, of something that you want to teach. The example, um, and Emily found this example because we're always looking for math examples in, in our presentation, um, was about angles. So looking at uh, right angles, acute angles, and obtuse angles, right? So three different kinds of angles. And the goal of this is to get the students to teach themselves what the material is and to create one slide that they can then use to teach the rest of the people in their group about right angles, obtuse angles, or um, acute angles. So what we did is we took, and, and Emily will we'll talk about this in a minute, we've actually embedded um, into the Nearpod something to teach them what it is. So you want to have the students instruct themselves on their kind of angle, and then they're going to need to explain that angle um, using a graphic organizer. So you're going to need to define it. You might draw it. Um, and then 
every single slide has a secret ingredient. And I loved Emily's example here. She said, find the secret, in the secret ingredient is finding a picture of what your angle looks like in the real world, right? So if it's like an acute angle, um, it might be like a slice of pizza. Um, or if it's a right angle, you might show like a window, right? For example, um, that, that has a right angle in it. So the goal is that what you're going to do is you're going to have students teach themselves about a particular concept, make using a graphic organizer, something that is going to allow them, a slide that will allow them to teach the rest of the people in their group. Um, and you're gonna have one secret ingredient that is common throughout each of the three uh, meals, each of the three uh, sections, so that students can easily make a connection between the three different types of things. So what does this actually look like in Nearpod, Emily? This is another one that can easily be done in Nearpod with a couple of slightly advanced techniques. So, so for your slides, you're going to make your background and you're going to convert your slides to draw it. So for our example, like Allison said, we picked angles. You can choose anything you want. You can choose people. If you teach um, history, choose maybe you're going to choose like four explorers or four presidents or however you want to do it, um, whatever fits your content. You're going to make your slides for your group, and then you're going to convert them to draw it. When I converted mine to draw it, I added a reference media, which links to that website where the students can go to learn about their angle if they need some extra help. You might, if you're going to do like presidents, for example, I just finished a presidency unit. They're on my mind. Um, maybe I'm going to link to a website about the presidents or what have you. Then when you do it with your students, the easiest way to do this is to actually take these couple slides and turn just this section into a student-paced mode. Another one of Nearpod's newer updates is the ability to take that section and go from teacher-paced to student-paced. So you'll tell each student in the group you're going to do this. Maybe just to keep with our angle example, you'll tell student one, you're going to do acute angle. Student two will do right angle. Student three will do obtuse angle. And because you have just those three slides on student pace mode, they can go to whichever slide they need to. This is also great for, you know, those fast finishers. If they finish theirs, they can go and work on another one. So once you have given your students time, they've finished. This is where um, things might get a little different for you, depending on how you teach. If you were in a brick and mortar classroom, maybe you just want to do the traditional jigsaw where they just present their slide to the group. Um, maybe you want to pick one student to go in front of the class, present to everyone, however you want to do it. If you are virtual, you also have some options. Um, you can present the information where um, just you bring everybody back together in the main room. The teacher just presents it just to make sure because, you know, we always have those students who, as Allison said so nicely earlier, are on a break. Yep. Um, <laughs> They're on a break. Yeah. Or maybe you're going to flip through and you're going to choose um, one person to present their slide. So you'll, um, with everybody back in the main room, you'll share one of those slides in Nearpod and have them jump on the mic and share to the class. You can do it that way. You can also, because Nearpod has an integration with Flipgrid, you can add Flipgrid right into Nearpod and have the students share their slide on Flipgrid. So you'd have the right angle Flipgrid, the acute angle Flipgrid, and the obtuse angle Flipgrid. And everybody would share and on their Flipgrid. And then the students would go watch the other grids to be the other topics to be able to learn about it. Um, we especially liked this one um, because we know that sometimes, once again, in the cyber environment, you might have a kid on a break. And so if you have 
everybody kind of dumping their presentations into one space, you're going to get students who are covering each of the different angles. So it, it's just a, a nice way to make sure that everybody is getting that experience of teaching and learning. So the last way uses one of the newest updates using the collaborate board. So what you can do is you can take a collaborate board and you can use that new column feature and have the students have it split into columns. So for us, for this example, we split it into three columns, a right angle, an obtuse angle, and an acute angle column. And then we said, share just your secret ingredient. So for this one, the secret ingredient was to find your angle in the real world, a picture. So I had it set so they could only share pictures. This particular one did not let them share text. It said only share a picture. So they had to go find their picture of an acute angle in the real world or a right angle or whatever, put it in the correct column, and then share um, share that. And again, because I was moderating it, because I was approving the post first, I could make sure that their post was correct before I approved it to be posted. Um, so that's a way that you can use one of the newest features um, by being able to split that board up into columns and using the ability to add pictures and GIFs to their boards. It's such a simple one to do. Um, but I really love the highlighting of the secret ingredients using the boards. Um, if you wanted it to have more of the like teaching and learning aspect, you could have them describe why this example in the real world was that thing. So for example, I could say, uh, you know, an acute angle is an angle that is less than 90 degrees, um, just like this uh, piece of pizza. And you can have more than one piece of media in, in these collaborate boards. So you can have writing and a picture next to it, which is pretty cool. Um, that still allows you as the teacher to maybe while they're doing that, pick the students that you think maybe did the best job on their collaborate boards to present for the class so that you still have that sense of anybody who, you know, could be chosen to come on up and uh, have to present their slide to the class and teach the rest of the class. And then we're going to use all of these secret ingredient examples that we've collected, you know, to help show those examples. But uh, that sort of, you know, you're going to have to teach it. You're going to have to potentially be the person to speak to this is part of that accountability um, and that sense of students feeling like they're teaching themselves so that they can teach others. And as as we know from, you know, teaching, uh, that's mm -hmm. that's one of the most powerful ways to get, get students to learn. So this one is so great. It's so easy. Um, and there's just so many great applications. Um, you know, once again, from the sort of English world, um, I love to do this one with different grammatical concepts, have them teach about different parts of speech or different uses for a comma or um, different uses for, um, you know, uh, incorporating quotations or, or things like that. There's all sorts of like grammar concepts that this works really well for because they're like little bite size and then giving the secret ingredient examples or maybe they're all working on the same sentence or a sentence about the same thing um, is really, really fun for them and really nice and really outrageous. So lots of great uh, grammar applications if you're in English. The last one that we're going to talk about today um, is one that I think does not get as much love as it deserves inside of a lot of the Edge of Protocol communities. As we've been looking for, you know, as we read these books, we started also looking out and seeing, um, you know, how are teachers posting about using this in their classrooms so that Emily and I could get inspired as we were thinking about how to use these. Um, and this one is the Great American race. Um, so this activity is super fun. It's basically like a research escape room. Like I don't even know like the best way to say it, right? Um, a gamified research uh, and share activity with like semi-escape room elements. Um, it is super, super fun. And it's simple. It's really, really simple. So it starts with students being assigned a topic to research. One of the things that um, I know I really appreciate about Edge of Protocols is that they are asking students to sort of teach themselves. Like you as the teacher are providing some base something, some sort of media, um, you know, whether that is a video or a lecture, maybe even that you have like pre-recorded or um, a simulation or, you know, something like that, that they're going to interact with in order to learn. But they're responsible for teaching themselves, researching a topic, um, and they're going to create a clue 
based on this research. Um, so Emily's going to talk about the great example that she did in her class that has a clue. Um, I'm going to tell you about the way that I've done it, which is to ask students to create an example. Um, I've had some trouble doing the clue ones. I think some of that's just because of you know what English is. Um, but the example one is really great and really easy to do. Um, I had students do it for figurative language. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, but what you're going to do is ask students to teach themselves, research um, something. And the idea is that every student is going to be researching something different. Um, and they're going to create clues that will either point someone to what they've researched or create an example by which the class should be able to guess uh, which thing it is that you need. Um, and then you're going to gather together all those clues or all those uh, examples in one place. And then you're going to have students race to identify them all. Um, so you have students researching, making something, and then going through the race. And you as the teacher had to prep like none of it. Like it's just the skeleton. And it is like such a cool looking <laughs> assignment on the back end. Um, it is super, super great. So the question becomes, how do you gather together all of these examples in one place, right? Because it's pretty easy to use reference media and things like that to get students to research something or to, to uh, look at something and, and create an example in Nearpod. Um, but how do you actually create the race is the really important thing. And Emily, um, you came up with a really clever idea for how to do this. So do you want to talk about what the actual race itself looks like? Yeah, so this is a spot where the new Collaborate Board feature turned out to be perfect for this. So again, depending on how you want to do this, um, depends on how you might want to set up your Collaborate Board. Um, so Allison, do you want me to do my example first or do you want to share your example first? Um, I can share my example because it, it might help okay. them visualize first. So in my example, what I asked them to do was I had the students watch a video about figurative language. Um, and you can either have students do all of the same figurative language. So for example, I had them do a simile, um, but you could easily have, you know, a third of the class researching similes, metaphors, and, you know, um, uh, aphorisms or something like, or, you know, some, some other piece of figurative language. Um, and what they're going to do is they're then going to create an example of what their thing was that they researched. And they're going to post that onto the Collaborate board. Now, the nice thing is that you're not going to post all of them right away. What you're going to do is you're going to have students put it on like a student-paced mode so that students can watch the video to do their research and to come up with their idea and then have them go to the next page to submit this is the example of a simile that I would like to use. You can wait until you've, you know, had 10 minutes or so or however long it is that they need to create their examples. As you're going through, if there are examples that are not similes, you can you know, not approve them and message that student and say, hey, that wasn't an example of a simile because of X, Y, and Z. Um, try again to, to get it approved. And then when you're ready, you press approve all at the same time and all these examples of similes come up. And using that reply feature, you can say, I want everybody to race and explain to me what, uh, what is in common between the two items that were in this simile. Um, uh, why, so for example, the, the one that I used was love is like a rose. Um, what does love and a rose have in common? Why, why is this a simile, right? And so you might have a student that says in one comment, uh, love is beautiful like a rose or love is, uh, painful like the thorns of a rose, right? Um, and you're going to try to get the students to race and you can do it one of two ways. You can either say as a class, we want to go and get all of this filled up in one minute. So everybody needs to work together in order to do it. And that's the race. Or it could be individual, right? See how many can you answer in, uh, you know, three minutes and see how far you're able to get. And you can sort of tally it up and, and you know, say, I'm so proud of uh, how many you were able to get done and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's lots of ways to actually do the race itself. But the ability to see the examples that are coming in and approve them all at once and then say, OK, now that all the examples are there, go and comment um, and explain what all of these different examples are and try to fill up the entire board in one go. It's so, so fun. And the kids absolutely have a blast with it. Um, Emily, yours was great because you did this with presidents in your president's unit um, and the kids had like an absolute blast. Yeah. So I started um, the president unit right um, 
couple weeks ago now. Um, and so the day that I was supposed to start, we ended up, we had a half day due to some scheduling things. Um, we did our benchmark testing and I was like, I can't do anything with 25 minute periods. How am I going to just introduce the presidency unit? And I was like, oh, we can do great American race with the presidents. Um, we don't actually talk about the Per the people who have been presidents in our presidency unit, it's more about like the office and what they do and things like that. So what I did was I found, um, I think it was Nat Geo website had a really great resource on the presidents. Uh, and if you look at like the actual edu protocol for the Great American Race, you can do it a couple. They suggest a couple different ways. They say you can either, if you're in a brick and mortar classroom, give them a piece of paper, or um, like you can set an email to go. Some of the different email pr platforms you can like set up all of your emails so they can all send at like ten o'clock exactly. Um, our platform's a little unique in that our email doesn't exactly work that way. So I was like, how could I do this? So what I did was I split my class up into thirds and I did it by last name. So I was like, if your last name is from A through C, you're going to pick one of these four presidents. If your last name is D through O, you're going to choose one of these four presidents. And if it's P through Z, you're going to choose one of those four presidents. Um, and I know those letters seem a little off kilter, but when I looked at my class list, that was about into thirds. Um, so, so I had my list made. And so then I said, all right, those are our three columns on our collaborate boards. You have, I think it was like seven minutes to choose one of those presidents from your list. And then using the website that I gave you, you have to put a fact from their early life, a fact about something that they did when they were president, and then just a fun fact about them. Um, and the way that the website was set up, they had, obviously, they could pick any fact, but they did also have at the bottom of all of their web pages, like, here are some fun facts about this president. So a lot of them chose facts from that little bottom section. Um, and then similar to how Allison did it, as they were posting, I rejected any that weren't good. I had a couple kids who tried to put the name of the president in there, and I was like, no, copy this, paste it, give it to me again without their name. Um, so then I approved them all, and then um, they had to go through, and I had them just go to the next column over. So if their last name was A through C, they went to the D through O column, and then just one column over and reply to as many as they could in that next column to be able to um, try to guess them. Um, and the students did, they really loved the activity um, and the ability to be able to reply to each other is really what made this such a clutch activity um, to be able to use that reply feature. We'd been racking our brains for this one because we knew that we loved it as an activity. Um, and we were, you know, trying to figure out how we were going to do it. The, the other option for those of you um, who may be on a Nearpod plan who would like to do this, but do not have access to that reply feature because it is really, you know, clutch. Um, we were lucky in that all of the sudden we had access to the beta <laughs> version yeah. of this feature um, right when we were trying to figure out specifically how to do this one. Um, and the plan that we had before we realized that in our like rough draft version, because we sort of laid out for ourselves, okay, we want to try these and troubleshoot and see, see what we like, see what we don't, see how the kids respond, um, was to do this as a two-part activity, which I still think is just as powerful. So if you have the students create um, a clue slide or create an example, you can still collect them on a collaborate board or collect them through Nearpod in reports that you generate. Um, and then the next day, you can create a Nearpod that has all of those examples in it. It's a little more work because you have to transfer over the examples into a new Nearpod. Um, but copying and pasting isn't that bad. <laughs> um, and, and depending on the format that you use, um, especially if you're collecting, like, for example, in my 
version where you're just collecting the examples of those similes, um, it, it's pretty easy to kind of grab those. And then you can make a Nearpod and set it up as student paste and say, ready, set, go, um, and have the students start and move through the slides that way for their race. So you can have like prep day for the, we, we had like a whole series of slides that we were looking at creating that were like getting ready for the race, right? And you're like stretching and all that kind of stuff. You can have like the stretching slides, like as we're doing the research and getting ready, preparing for a race, just the same way you got to prepare for the marathon. And then race day is the next day where you have like a start and finish line. And it, it can be very cool and very cute. So don't feel like if you don't have the collaborate board feature replies that this is like inaccessible to you. You just have to like do it over two days. We, we could not find a way to do it all within sort of the same day. Um, but very fun. And once again, not a ton of prep for you as a teacher, um, but the kids really get that fun of being creative, being expressive. I think one of the things that both Emily and I are, are thinking a lot about um, right now in our, our teaching is about, you know, collaboration and creation in the online environments and how we're getting students to work together. Um, and all three of these edge of protocols work really well for that. Um, we're still researching. Obviously, there's, you know, I think eight in one of the books, Edger Protocols, and another 16 and another one. And there's a whole book for math that like we haven't even begun to get into, haven't even really begun to touch. Um, uh, but there's there's lots of things in here and we really do think that they're powerful tools for in in especially our environment where it is a little bit harder to get students collaborating. Um, if you have the right tools to do it and we think Nearpod is the right tool to do it, you can get students having those kind of interactions um, that we know are so powerful for learning. So um, if you are interested in our show notes, you do have access to our slides from Pete and C so you can take a look and see all of our different examples because sometimes once again, as Emily mentioned, visualizing is just easier um, sort of to go back and go through. And of course, if you have any questions, um, you know, we are always available on, you know, DMs on Twitter um, and through Facebook and, and all of that wonderful stuff. Um, and we are always taking suggestions. So if you have your favorite edge of protocols, because we know that some of you have been doing them for a lot longer than we have. Um, so share your favorites with us. Um, we would love to try them, especially if you're like, hey, I have this favorite one and I also love Nearpod and I don't know how to make it work in Nearpod. Let us know because we probably can find a way to make it work. We're, we're very excited about these, as you can tell, because <laughs> they're, they're doing great with our students and we're, we're really loving them. Um, so guys, thank you so much for joining us um, on this episode of the Cyber Sisters podcast. Um, uh, we will have our next episode out on March 25th. We are sort of back to our normal schedule now that, you know, numbers are down and um, everything seems to be a little bit quieter um, in, in our schools and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we're really excited because uh, we should have a really fantastic guest on um, that we're excited to share with you. Um, in the meantime, please keep in touch with us on our socials. We're at at Allison K. Teaches and at Sattler Cyber. And we always appreciate keeping that conversation going. Please like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, keep trying hard. <laughs>